Thank you, God, for this day. We thank you for blessing us so much. Thank you for the worship service this morning. Thank you for the songs that were sung and Max's leading. Thank you for the words that were read from your Psalms and from Colossians and from other places. We thank you for your word that's so precious to us. Father, now we just ask that you just be with us as we open your word, that you'll anoint the words that are spoken this morning, that they may come from you and they may be for you. And we just uh, commit this day and the rest of this time to you in Jesus' precious name. We pray for that in his loving and precious name. Amen. Well, this morning, if you have a Bible, um, if you open up to Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37, and um, no doubt you've seen this passage once or twice before, but um, we'll just see what God's going to have a look at it this morning. So it's 25 to 37 in Luke chapter 10, and the heading would be the Good Samaritan. <clears throat> so I'm reading from the RSV, so it might sound a little bit different than yours. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read? And then he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, strength, and with your neighbour as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered right. Do this and you shall live. But desiring to justify himself to Jesus, and who is my neighbour, he said. Jesus replied, a man was going down to, from, Jerusalem, from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers. So they stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down the road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and he saw him and had compassion, and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took him two denarii, and gave to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved a neighbour to the man? who fell among the rubbers, he said, the one who showed mercy on him. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. Well, we've all read this passage many times and no doubt there's been sermons. I don't recall hearing a a message on the Good Samaritan any time lately, but uh, I like to use the, the lectionaries to be able to get my messages and so this week was um, on the Good Samaritan. I, I did use this message once before a few years ago at Kahuna but uh, so we went down and had another look at it. So <clears throat> see what God can really show us this morning and do that. So I'll just have a bit of a, um, a setting for where we are. In Luke chapter 10, this follows on from when Jesus sent out the, uh, the uh, 70 into the, um, into the towns to preach the gospel. And they had a great success while they were there. There was uh, many people with, um, come to know the Lord and come to hear about him. And they came back really full of themselves and full of what God had really been doing. And Jesus said to them, he saw that Satan fell like lightning from heaven. So in verse 19 and 20, Jesus had given them a, another authority over the enemy. But in verse 20, he gives them a reminder 
not to rejoice that they are the, the spirits are subject to him, but to rejoice that their names are written in heaven. So Jesus really gets it right. It's not what our service what is, is really important and what we can do. It's what we are and who Jesus has put uh, into us and where we are and where we're going to be. Jesus then prays for them and he thanks God for delivering them to him. Isn't that wonderful? Jesus was really praying for those that uh, working for him and that God had delivered him, um, them to him. And that we too are in that same boat, aren't we, that Jesus prays for us and he continues to sit and pray for us now at the right hand of the Father. Verses 23 and 24, Jesus tells his disciples that they are blessed by what they have seen and heard. For prophets have not seen and heard these things and we too can sit in that place and say that we've been blessed as well. This brings us to verse 25 and the start of our passage. Whether the lawyer might have been present while Jesus was talking to his disciples and the other people, that's not really shown in the passage here, but anyway, we'll have a look to see what it is. Verse 25, a lawyer put Jesus to the test. So this bloke was a lawyer and he wanted to see who this Jesus was. This come lately that was going around preaching and he was going to thought, well, we'll see how we go with this bloke. We'll put Jesus to the test and see what he has to say. So today we'll look at the characters in the story individually and see what part they played in their backgrounds and the significance of the outcome. <clears throat> then we'll have a look at what God can show us today from the parable. So let's start with this lawyer. So we think of a lawyer today, of one who goes to court and he has the wig on and he goes and defends people or is a prosecutor, whatever it might be. But back in those days, lawyers were... Um, they were lawyers and they were really um, um, in the courts, uh, but these ones, lawyers, were experts in the Old Testament law as written down in what we call the Pentateuch, which is the, uh, the first five books of the Bible. So his first question comes in verse 25. What must I do to inherit eternal life? That's a pretty fair question, isn't it? What must I do to inherit eternal life? And it's a question today that we ask very often as well. In his position as a lawyer, he would have been well aware of what the scripture said. So Jesus' reply was a question to that end. And in verse 26 he says, What is written in the law and how do you read it? So he turned it back on him to see what he had to say. So Jesus was possibly aware of what the lawyer's motives were, so he turned it back on him. The law in verse 27 used two scriptures combined to give his answer. The first is Deuteronomy 6.5, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength and all your mind. And then he used a second scripture from Leviticus which said, To love your neighbour as yourself. Now Jesus' answer to him was, Do this and you will live. His answer was, Do this and you will live. If you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul and mind and love your neighbour as yourself, you can do this and you will live. And when you get to the end of the parable, once again Jesus says a similar words. <clears throat> so before the lawyer asks the second question, he's got time to ponder on what Jesus had to, say, had to answer and what he said under the, under the law. And as a scholar of the law, he would have known that under the law no one can be saved. The law was there to point people to the one who could save. The only way anyone could live under the law was to obey it to the part 
to the letter all of the time. And that was the only way he could do it. So the lawyer would have known it was nearly impossible under the law to have eternal life. This is also written about by Paul when he wrote to the Galatians and the Galatians were being <coughs> um, pressured by, the, um, by a group which were saying they must be circumcised, must go, must go back to the law. And Paul impressed upon them at this time. Galatians 3.10 said, Cursed is everyone who doesn't abide by all these things written in the book of the law and to perform them. So the only way under the law that anyone could become into eternal life was to obey all of the law. And then Jesus, when he came, he came to um, fulfil the law and he was the only person that was able to fulfil the law by living by the law. So we need to know how people in the Old Testament were saved um, before Jesus came. For us, uh, we come to Jesus and we confess our sins and we come to him by faith and say that we're sorry for our sins and he comes and lives with us. But the same thing happened in the Old Testament too. It said that Abraham was justified by faith. Now this happened hundreds of years before the law was given. Remember the law was given to Moses at, uh, at Mount Sinai, but Abraham was justified by faith, and it was by his faith that he was saved. So once again, it's similar to us today. As in the Old Testament, we are, uh, we are um, saved by faith in Christ. So in this climb, the lawyer tries a curly question to Jesus. All right, verse 29, he wants to, as it says there, he wants to justify himself. All right, I didn't do too well on the first one, see how we go on the second one. And he said, who is my neighbour? This might get him. Now to the Jews, their neighbour was anyone who was a Jew. So just remember this fact that to a a Jew, their neighbour was anyone who was a Jew. So now we get to the parable itself. Now to make the point, Jesus, Jesus uses three characters. Before we look at the characters, the story is based on real places and situations. As Dick would know, when he was over in Israel, he possibly went down the road from Jerusalem to Jericho and it's uh, two busy towns and it's quite a, um, a, a busy road and a thoroughfare and many, many people went up and down this road. And on that road uh, was a dangerous place, I'm not too sure, I think I've been told that it might have been in a, in a chasm or something like that, and there were many robbers, as it was described in the Bible there, and the robbers came and beat this man up. Now these robbers weren't just uh, ones that go and pickpockets and that sort of thing, these are pretty violent people. And um, a lot of them ended up um, being uh, in jail and things like that. And they were actually more like what we'd call a bush ranger or a highwayman, as they used to have in the old days. And they're extremely violent people. So they got hold of our, our man in the story and they beat him up. Now, this victim um, was not given where he came from, no nationality, and um, which is probably no re- thing, but it was. So we enter the first traveller, and the first, in verse 31, it said, a priest happens to be travelling by. He doesn't say that he had a purpose in wandering down the road there, but he might have just been wandering from one place to another, but that's just not really by the by, but yeah. Now the priest was a very important person, as he would be in that position, being priest. He was trained in Jewish law, literature and tradition. And one of the things about the priest was he was under strict purity regulations. So he couldn't come and do his duties unless he was strictly pure. 
That is written down in uh, somewhere in Deuteronomy, Leviticus, in the laws back there. So before he was able to perform any rites at the temple, he was brought in and he was checked over to see if there was any uh, defects and anything, skin de- deficiencies and things like that, so he was not to be unclean. So one of the regulations was that if he touched a dead body, they were unclean for a certain period and couldn't perform their rites at the temple. So imagine the scene, he's walking down the, the road and there's this bloke who's lying there bloodied and beaten up. And if I look from here across to someone in the front row even and they're lying there, I can't really tell whether they're alive or not. So what does the priest do? He's got a conundrum. Do I go and touch him and become unclean or what else do I do? So he took the second option and he walked past. And that's what the law taught him and his position. He was bound by the law to worry about whether I'm going to be unclean or not. His tradition was doing that. But these traditions have been passed down from his predecessors. Originally the law was given and the Pharisees and the others were to look after the law and it was just over the years it was polluted and things were added and things were added and things were added. It wasn't the original law that they were now living under. So do you think that this man's actions were lost on the lawyer? We probably don't know that, but it's just something maybe we can ponder upon. Enter the second person travelling down the road. In verse 32 we see the Levite. Now the Levites too worked in the temple. They were from the tribe of Levi. Uh, They cleaned and manned the temple, took part in slaughtering the sacrifice. They were considered lower level priesthood. They had purity regulations as well but not as strict as the ones that the priest had. We don't know why the Levite didn't help him either. Maybe it was fear that, it was too, that he too may have been attacked, or maybe it's just because it's a parable for the purpose of the story. Pardon me, Jesus used another Jewish leader to point out to the lawyer about the law. Then comes along pardon me, our hero, or the third member of the story, and that is the Samaritan. Originally the Samaritans were part of the Jewish nations until it was separated after Solomon's rule. They were separated into um, two um, camps. There was the northern kingdom, there was the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom being Israel had the ten tribes and then the southern kingdom had the the other two tribes, which was called Judah. And in 722 BC, the northern kingdom was taken captive by the Assyrians and deported. It wasn't until some time later that the, uh, uh, the Jewish kingdom or the Judeans were actually taken captive by the Babylonians and taken away to be uh, deported as well. So <clears throat> after they came back and as part of the population, uh, repopulation, the Israelites intermarried with the surrounding uh, nations and became the Samaritans. Now, during the time of the Northern Kingdom, Samaria was a capital and their religious centre as well too. That's where they had their temple and where they had their worship. And um, the Samaritans were a hated race. The Jews or the Judeans and the Samaritans hated each other um, because of the mixed race that they were. And if we remember the story once again in the New Testament of um, Jesus going to the lady at the well who was a Samaritan and she was a hated Samaritan, um, so we know that there was a lot of bad blood between them. So why did Jesus use the Samaritan in verses 33 to 35? 
So possibly it was to answer the second question a lawyer asked, and that second question was, who is my neighbour? As said before, the Jews considered only Jews as their neighbour. The lawyer would have been well aware that the Old Testament law said otherwise. So one example of this is Leviticus 19.34. It says here, The stranger who sojourns with you shall be to you as a native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. And the thing at the end says, I am the Lord your God. This was taken from something that God said, that the stranger among them were their neighbours. So it wasn't just the Jews that were neighbours, it was others. This is pretty damning evidence of who his neighbour is. So once again, Jesus turns the question back on the lawyer. Verse 36, which of these three do you think proved to be the neighbour to the man who fell among the robbers? And verse 37, the lawyer answered the one who showed mercy. So for the second time in this passage, Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. We don't know what happened after that, or if there were crowds, whether they picked up on what Jesus had to say as well and whether they got the point. We could finish the story here, but let's just see how it affects us today. As it mentioned at the start of this message, many hospitals and charities have been started on these teachings, but there is more than just doing good to others. As followers of Jesus, we have one, uh, we are to help the widows and orphans in their need. And in Matthew chapter 5, uh, chapter 25, verses 34 to 40, we read another familiar passage. Verse 34. Then the king will say to those at the right hand, Come, O blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom, prepare for you from the foundations of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer to him, Lord, when do we see when do we see thee hungry? and feed thee, or thirsty, and give thee drink? And when did we see thee a stranger, and welcome thee, or naked, and clothe thee? And when did we see thee sick, or in prison, and visit thee? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did to one of these least of my brethren, you did to me. So we are to show compassion. We are to show compassion to those in prison, to those that are weak, for those that are hungry. And when we do that, we are showing, showing the love of Jesus to them as well. But do we do this out of duty or out of tradition? If we do, then we're the same as a lawyer who relied on the law. Our motivation is to serve and to do to others comes about from our relationship with God. We need to have a true relationship with God through Jesus. It's a matter of how our vertical relationship with God is as how how our our horizontal relationship is with others. So it's our vertical and our horizontal. We can get caught up in the social gospel the Son has 
where our efforts are worthy but lacking our calling. We see people as objects to be pitied and helped, not as God sees them. They are made in God's image and we need not only to care but have a relationship with Jesus. Uh, we support a, um, a charity, uh, not a, a, a mission called Feed the Hungry and like many other um, organisations, they go and they feed oh, 250,000, 300,000 people a year in Africa and um, in South America and places like that. But that's not their sole motivation. This, their other motivation is that they also preach the gospel and they see people come to know Christ. And that's their motivation when our relationship with God is right and then our relationship with people becomes more, that they're more than just objects of pity, more than just people to be fed. They are what God wants to see them. He sees them as in his image and that he wants to see them in his um, kingdom as well too. This is where our relationship with God is put into place. We need to see people as God sees them and have the same compassion that Jesus showed. And if we look at some of the times when Jesus healed people, it says that he had compassion on them. How can we show Jesus' compassion the same way he does? This kind of thinking can really test us. So how do we see the unlovely among us? How do we see those that don't have the same ideas as us? How do we see people that rub us up the wrong way? It comes back to our relationship with God, doesn't it? If we have a good relationship with God and we see the people that we're meeting and working with, then we'll see them how God sees them. In the passage in Matthew where we care is where we do the least of these. This relationship can be tested with our brothers and sisters in Christ as well too. Among the church people, among the people that we sit here each Sunday and the ones we meet with, those from different churches, a relationship with them too can be sometimes strained and broken. So how do we live out what is said in John 13, 35? By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Once again, it comes back to our personal relationship with God, how we do that, and our relationship as a group, one to another too. We need to keep the vertical right so we can keep the horizontal right. We're challenged to do this daily. So let's encourage one another. Let's build each other up. Let's love each other as Jesus loved him. And then forget that God loves us and that in that God first loved us that we can love others. Our challenge comes from verse 37 in Luke 10. And it's a big challenge, and that's not only to everyone sitting here but to myself as well. Go and do likewise. So this morning, if you do need prayer, please, the elders are here and others, if you need prayer, just come and see us and we'll sit and pray with you. That will just close in prayer. Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you for what you've been able to teach us this morning. Just be with us as we go our way and just bless us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.